now. This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news with Mark Van Aken in a minute, but we're four weeks away from the start of the English Premier League and many of the other major European competitions and the final pieces of the player puzzle are starting to fall into place with some of the biggest names in the game finding new homes. We'll talk about all that in detail, but with Arsenal in town for friendlies against Sydney FC and Western Sydney Wanderers, tonight we talk to one of the local boys taking on the Gunners, Wanderers Jack Clisby, to give us a taste of his club's expectations going in against one of the world's power clubs, then Australian under-23s coach Josip Gombau ahead of the Oliver's AFC qualifying tournament in Myanmar, kicking off next week. Then we'll wrap up the opening hour with our man Dean Hennessy to talk through the latest in the domestic game. In the second hour, as always, we'll kick off with second edition news, but as any football following in this country will know the national side's qualification for the World Cup in Russia 2018 sits on a knife edge with two games in direct qualifying to go and the main point of conjecture amongst the Cognoscenti is Ange Postacoglu even's back three defensive system. Do we have the talent to make it work and is it the right system for our national squad? Tonight we talk to one of Australia's foremost technical analysts Ron Smith to find out then Dino returns to talk through all the international news before we wrap it up with stoppage time. Edge... How's your week been, mate? My week's been pretty good. Um, after last week's tumultuous events, this week's been a little less quiet. Mm. Um, but it kicked off with um, a penalty that wasn't a penalty mm. in the Arsenal-Sydney FC game. And then maybe a penalty spot kick, which was kicked at the goalkeeper. Credit to Danny Welbeck. On purpose. Yep. Maybe that's the way we see it. Let's talk to Mark about that in a moment. But um, uh, a couple of other things that happened. Obviously, the count ends on to when the uh, FIFA and AFC uh, delegation comes mm-hmm. out to to uh, sort out this governance or this Congress crisis for the FFA. Mm-hmm. Track watchers are telling me that the FFA are looking forward to hopefully FIFA and that AFC delegation creating a bit of a a bit of an opportunity to reach agreement with the okay. disgruntled uh, members of the Congress. So well, that'll be interesting. your track watchers are right, mate. That's right. The other one is um, the Joeys are in action. You wouldn't know about it because I don't know. We don't know what's going on with the scores, but they have played this week. But we do know that the young Matildas uh, had uh, an interesting camp in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got beaten by America 3-1 and 4-1 in both those games, but they were in them late. They were 1-1 late in the game in both of those games, but they did beat Canada 1-0. But track watchers tell me the Victorians are unhappy. Only one Victorian player started in one of the games, and um, some Victorians are saying it should have been the young New South Wales yeah, Matildas. Well, you did suggest that when you, the young we talked Matildas. to Gary Van Egmont last week. Um, yeah, the Vic's not happy about that one, mm-hmm. so there might uh, be something in that. Having said that, uh, I understand the camp was very good, and uh, the mm-hmm. girls will be pretty tired after a... Uh, I think nine days in camp and three matches. Yeah, but they're two heavy losses, um, despite the fact they were in the, the game. So well, they competitive games until late, lots of substitutions, mm. but they did mm. get towed up by the Yanks, and you would ex- probably expect that at that level. Yeah. Tell you what, boys, a lot of. Uh... I'm not even on. There we go. A lot of uh, track watching going on over there with exactly. Mr. Edgel. He's down there. Well, there can I imagine him with a pick? Can, can I, can I uh, editorialise? If if I uh, have not exactly ridden this situation with FIFA perfectly. So if they're just waiting for FIFA to come out and they think they'll be, you know, melt like butter in their hands. I'm no, no, no. I think they're looking be towards that. FIFA's intervention sort of being the um, the circuit breaker that's required. That's what they're looking at. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, on to news, boys. Newcastle Jets forward Andrew Naboot is on the brink of a life-changing move to the UAE uh, with club... Da- 
help me out here. Al, Al Duffer. Al Duffer, there we go, of course. Uh, UAE. Middle Eastern roots, if you yourself there. Mm-hmm. After his breakout uh, A-League campaign last year, an initial offer has already been turned down, but it's unlikely to deter the to deter the Arabian Golf League club from coming back with an improved bid, the Jets are likely to consider a deal north of six hundred. Jeez, he was, he was their best player. Thousand dollars. Yeah. I was going to say. Player. I mean, I reckon the Jets would rather have Naboot this yep. season than six hundred fifty k in the in the skyrocket, especially uh, the Lebanon group. Uh, they're not exactly short of a dollar, you would have thought at the moment, uh, Newcastle. But uh, I guess it's pretty hard. Andrew turned his whole career around with that season. I thought. He's only 24. Is this yeah. the right move for him going to the Arabian Golf League? And it, it, it's, 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 it's a good league. Yeah, I know, but you know, we've we've had this ongoing sort of yeah. narrative in Australian football of, and our very own Jackson Irvine, you know, mm. turning down lots of money to go to China to stay uh, in the lower tiers of English football. Uh, and hopefully, I guess a that's a pragmatic decision for some players to make. And uh, you know, if the money is big enough, and to be fair, Andrew's not playing. In the uh, championship, is he? He's playing no, no, he's not. Yet, so. Hey, uh, but I'm interested in your next news segment item. I think that's an interesting one. Uh, what the Wanderers? No, the Japanese J League. Ah, oh, okay. No, actually, I've, I've added one in. No, the Western yeah. City Wanderers have announced the signing of Chris Hurd for the next two seasons. Twenty-eight-year-old, twenty-eight-year-old arrives in Western Sydney from English League One side Gillingham, having made fourteen appearances for the club last season. This is good for me because he's going to play. Hopefully. Well, is, yes. is, that, is that the big Western Sydney Wanderers story? Because, you, you know, you, you guys are, you know, apologists for flares and all that sort of rubbish. Mm-hmm. Don't you think the big story of the week really is the uh, the bosses at, uh, at Western Put Sydney the foot down. threatening the... For the game block? on the weekend? Is, is, is that... Well, they've called for new... Just so everybody understands, the Western Sydney Wanderers CEO has called, officially called for the RBB to... Uh, turn up with new leadership, has lost confidence in the yeah. capacity to uh, liaise and uh, have dialogue with the existing leadership. So you would say that he's got some intel that they were going to muck up against uh, in the yeah. Arsenal fixture, yeah. I would think. Embarrasses on the world stage. Yeah, I would mm. think, yeah. So You know what's sad? Uh, we didn't talk about it on the show, but two or three weeks back, PFA put out their annual survey with the players. Mm. And well, sadly, the best surface in the A-League was Wellington, yeah, voted yeah, by the players. So we don't the, the best surface in the A-League is not even in Australia. But also, the best uh, the best crowds, Melbourne Victory still got the nod, even though they mm. don't have active support anymore. Mm. It doesn't say much for the other nine mobs, does it? Mm. That's right. So, uh, look, I think it's a good move by Western Sydney because... Um, you know, we can't have a small group of people upsetting the apple cart for everybody who yeah, loves this game. I, I agree, but at the same time, you've got to be, you know, these people can be, um, you know... Uh, well, they can be vilified, absolutely no doubt about it, yeah, and they can be harshly treated. There's no question about that either. But also, for very hard young men who love jumping up and down and, and causing problems and doing scully, and getting into scullyate well, behaviour, they, they, they can also be very sensitive little violets, can't they? Yeah, so they can. That's yeah. the thing. So you, you've got to be careful that you're getting the message across without, uh, you know, not throwing out the baby with the bathwater to use... Uh, but none of these guys, none of these... I mean, they're, they're not household names, the leadership of the ABB, are they? They don't, no, pop, their, they don't pop their heads up yeah. and um, say, I am the man, because they like to be incognito, yeah. ripping flares. Now, this is the story you're talking about, Michael. Uh, nomadic Australian attacker James Terissi is eyeing a move to the MLS. Um, now, he had a man of the match performance against Chile at the, Conf- at the Confed Cup a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that's apparently sparked renewed interest in the 29-year-old who was first linked with a move to the USA 18 months ago. MLS, good move for James Terissi. It'll be his... N- where, where, where am I looking? He's, nine, he's been at nine clubs for a bloke that's 29 years old. That's a lot of clubs. You know, there's probably a gag about Greg Norman or something in there 
Rob? Well, where do you rate the um, Major League Soccer? Being three more clubs and Slim Dusty. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, look, He's I been would... three. Slim oh, yeah. went to a lot, plenty of clubs, yeah, he did, did he? So. He did. He loved the whole clubs. Old Slim. Rest in peace, uh, Slim Dusty. But, oh, look, I don't think it's a bad move as long as he's just got to get to a happy place mm. for me, James. I mean, he's been at two of the biggest clubs in world football, Newcastle United and Juventus, but didn't play. Mm. So, okay, then he's got himself to the victory, has a breakout season, yeah, and then he's off again. Like, it seems he's, he's at an impasse with Melbourne Victory, mm. not staying there, but, you know. Question marks over his point? management, I would think. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, look, he's got a, he has, still has a, a big future ahead of him. We know he can play. He just needs to uh, find the right club. What about Nathan Burns? Nathan Burns has gone from FC Tokyo to San Fran, San Fran, San Hiroshima, um, staying in the J League. What do you think about that? Good move. I mean, didn't, as play as he plays, lot, didn't play a lot for well, Tokyo. Well, he has not played a minute in the league this year uh, yeah. for FC Tokyo. He's played a, uh, some minutes in it's cup a, games. It's a mid-season J-League move, basically, yeah, yeah in, their, in their little private transfer window. So he's been there for a couple of seasons, but uh, Nathan's another one where he's one of those players who is probably a little bit too good for the A-League, but apparently just not good enough for somewhere else in the world because he's had a few moves overseas, mm. just haven't quite worked out. He, again, needs to, a bit like James, Teresi, just needs to find his... He's zen? What, what, is that what I'm looking for? Like, he just needs to find a place that he can be comfortable, earn a great living, but at the same time, play football. That's the important bit. Because um, he's still very much in the frame for Socceroos, but not while he's not getting games. All right. Now, before we um, we wrap up this uh, opener to our program, Michael did reference uh, that incident where uh, there was the uh, the penalty that wasn't the penalty. Mm. Yet they gave the pen. And to his credit, Danny Welbeck mm. stepped up to the spot and gave an absolute uh, Dorothy Dixer down the line to uh, Andrew Redmayne in the goal. So good mm. good on him, because it's only a friendly. The score really doesn't matter. But, mate, it was such a poor decision. Mm. I think the highlight um, on the ground was on Alexandre Lacazette uh, scoring his first goal in his uh, in his Arsenal career. Uh, Lacazette and the way that he's made And um, congratulations to Arsenal for not uh, putting on the field any 45-year-old ex-legends uh, of the club. Yep, right. actually, yeah. And I, and hopefully there wasn't uh, too much excess baggage with no. all the European trophies they brought out. There wasn't. Mm. Well done, boys. Stick around <laughs> after the break. From the Western Sydney Wanderers, Jack Lisby. We're going to talk more with Arsenal because he's playing them tomorrow night at the ANZ Stadium. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on many apps around the world. And, of course, the podcast on box to box ntsComau Born in Western Australia, Jack Clisby began his career at Sorrento FC, who were in the final 32 of the FFA Cup this year, I noticed, before he joined Perth Glory in 2012 as a promising and versatile young defender before moving to Melbourne, Sydney. Last season, he joined the Wanderers, where he's become an integral part of Western Sydney's defence, making 30 appearances across all competitions in his first season for the Bread and Black. Jack, thanks for coming on the show tonight, mate. No problem, mate. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you, as I said. Uh, so you, you've had um, a couple of clubs, three clubs to be precise, uh, in the A-League. Yep. You, you, you started out in your hometown, Perth, and uh, and then uh, you, you moved to Melbourne City and now the Wanderers. So so what are the, what are some of the biggest things that you've noticed about uh, joining the Wanderers uh, based on your, your previous experience? Yeah, look, um, I, was, I was still quite a young boy, obviously starting up in my hometown at, at Perth Glory and... Um, you know, I had a few periods there where I, um, I, I strung consistent games together, but it, it didn't really work out for me there in terms of consistently, um, you know, getting the minutes that I wanted to. So uh, I then looked at, obviously, um, 
trying to um, sort of pursue my career elsewhere in Melbourne City. Um, came up as an opportunity to move over there and, and start my try and kick things off there. And it, it did get better for me there um, in terms of um, in relations to Perth Glory. But, um, you know, still it, it wasn't to be there. And it's um, I seem to have uh, really um, found my feet at Wanderers and, you know, since I've come here, I feel like I've improved as a as a player um, as to what I was, and that's a lot of um, down to the belief in the coaching staff, um, in, especially Popper, in um, trusting in me and you know helping me work the, as a player and get better, and um, for him showing his trust in me and um, you know getting those a consistent season behind my belt, um, which I, I felt um, was a, a pretty good season for me. Jack. Um... One question I get asked a lot uh, when I talk to A-League fans is that there is a very fluid player market. You know, last week we spoke to Scott Jemison. I think he's on to his fifth A-League club. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there is a lot of, you know, well-known, some of the goalkeepers have played at uh, five and six and seven clubs. Danny Lugovic, for example, yep. Liam Reddy. What do you uh, what do you put it down to that there is such a fluid market with players swapping between the clubs? What seems fairly regularly? Do you think, uh, can you put your finger on why that might be the case? Uh, look, obviously someone that's been at three clubs, for my situation, it was just obviously um, trying to find a club where I could I could sort of, you know, become a, a starting player and cement my spot in a team where um, I, you know, push myself to and deserve to be in that starting team. So I think um, in some cases for players that could be a reason and maybe for other reasons. I mean, it's seen a lot that a lot of players go overseas to try and pursue their dreams over in Europe and and all these other you know continents and and, and whatnot. So and and sometimes things don't work out for them over there as well. And you know they 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 tend to come back to the A League. But yeah, just as from my perspective, that's that's been the the reason for you know that sort of transition between you know three clubs. Now, um, obviously, uh, uh, you'll be familiar with the red and black block. There's been a bit of news about that this week. Um, your club administration has basically put its foot down and said uh, the, red and bl- the red and black block needs some new leadership to uh, behave themselves better. Jack, as a player, um, I know the players have been incredibly supportive of, of that group because they do provide you with such incredible support at your home games and uh, and most away games. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts you can share with us about uh, about those developments and um, what they need to do to uh, to um, ensure that uh, things can go uh, go on without any any drama? Yeah, look, I mean, um, it's, it's nothing uh, really that us players really want to or um, sort of be talking about. I mean, we we as a club and as players um, believe we do have the best fans in the A-League and um, the RBB are very supportive of us. And, you know, it's, it's sort of, it is out of our control as to, um, you know, what fans do around the A-League. But um, we, we as a club, you know, we... We support our fans and, and you know, um, we're, we're behind them all the way as, as we hope that, you know, they're behind us and um, as long as they're, you know, respectful as, as, as we are on the field. Yeah, we understand you're not really wanting to delve into that. We'll have that conversation uh, on, you know, during other parts of the program, of course, mate. But um, you know, massive night for you tomorrow night. Uh, Sydney FC had their turn against Arsenal. Uh, you know, how exciting is that for you? to be playing against one of the world powerhouse clubs uh, as, a, as a guy who's got most of your career still ahead of you? 
Yes, I mean it's fantastic, and um, you know it's it, it's this great um, excitement around around the club and and for Australian viewing. You know, fans all over the country will be watching, and um, massive turnouts for the games. Um, we're expected a full house um, as well, and that's it, it's something that as a footballer you dream of dream of doing, especially. Um, you know, being being an Arsenal supporter as a boy, yeah. uh, as a young boy growing up, so it's it's obviously something I'm personally looking very forward to. But you know, um, as as players, we're, we're still going to go out, and once you're on the field, it's it's just another game. You, you sort of forget who you who you're sort of up against, and and you, and you concentrate on what you have to do um, when you're out there on the field. Well, you've just revealed a little bit of an insight into your uh, your boyhood uh, allegiances. So, you, so you, mate, you're a young man. You, you would have hardly known any other coach at Arsenal apart from Arsene Wenger. Yeah, well, that, that, that's all I've ever known. It's a bit like the Queen, you know? About, We've yeah, all been, been alive just, all that time. Yeah, he's been probably Arsenal manager just about as long as I've, I've lived. So, yeah, he's... Um, it's just about as, as much as I know in terms of Arsenal managers. And are there any players in particular looking forward to... I mean, I, I know you're not out there as a buddy fan, forgive me for, yeah. for suggesting this, but uh, but obviously meeting some some of, of the big names at, uh, at that club, uh, that'll be um, something that uh, will be enjoyable after the game? Yeah, like I said, it's, <laughs> it, is, it is another game and we have to be professional as players um, at going out and, into this game and... You know, um, we, we're not gonna we're not gonna treat the game as if, oh, you know, we're playing Arsenal, we're gonna back off. We're we're not. We're gonna we're gonna obviously treat this, and we want to win the game. You know, every game, it's, it's our mentality is 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 to obviously to go out on the field believing we can win any game that we take part in, and that's going to be no different, um, friendly or no friendly. Jack, I'm sure when uh, the season ended last year that uh, you guys, everybody involved in the club, um, probably thought uh, you underperformed. Um, has there been um, a little sting in the tail with pre-season as, as the, the, the squad approached it with a, with a renewed vigour to almost right the wrongs with, um, with the performances that, uh, or where you ended up at the end of the table anyway? Yeah, obviously for a, for a club um, like Wanderers, uh, the, the way we finished um, obviously in sixth position last year was, was unacceptable for, for our standards. And um, even though we did have good moments throughout the season, it's, it's, it's not enough for us. And, um, you know, we've, uh, we've recruited a few, a few players already. And, um, you know, from, from what I've seen, it's, it's looking very promising. You know, it's, it's still early doors. And we're still, obviously, um, uh, the new players are finding their feet, but they seem to be finding them really quickly. And it's it's very exciting um, to to go into training and 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 see the see the quality and the, the standard that we're at already. And knowing that it's only it's only going to improve. And as a you know professional sporting organisation, you're not looking to make excuses. But obviously, it was the first season away from Parramatta Stadium during the reconstruction. Um, it was a hard period to settle down into uh, uh, spotless stadium. Uh, how do you find that as a venue to, to play at, and 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 how far away uh, are we expecting um, before before Parramatta Stadium? I know uh, I'm not expecting you to put a date on it, but it's about uh, 12 yeah. to 18 months away before before that stadium is completed. Yeah, you'd have to ask the construction site how far away the stadium is. But um, yeah, look, uh, I obviously wasn't a, a Wanderers player that played at Parramatta, so I can't really, you know, comment on on, on what the difference is. I know as a as a uh, as an away um, coming from an uh, as an away player, it was it was always a tough place to go and play. So, but yeah, like you said, we 
we're a club that really um, cuts out any excuses and looks for any excuses. We we deal with what we've got and you know um, make the best of every opportunity that we have. And we'll obviously yeah be looking forward to to when the stadium is built. But for now, it's it is spotless and and ANZ and. Um, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a football field, and it's still got the same same goals and you know same mm-hmm. output uh, outlay. So it's it's it's, it's really um, it's it's no difference where where we play. And uh, off the top of my head, thanks courtesy to uh, to Google 2019, mate. You'll be in the new stadium, so uh, you can talk <laughs> to the rest of the boys when you get back there. Hey, uh, Jack, thanks for joining us on the show tonight, mate. Uh, enjoy that game tomorrow night. And one one quick question: uh, uh, Are you going to be swapping the jumper with anybody at the end of the game, or planning to? We'll see how the game goes first. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how the game goes first, yeah. Oh, well, good on you, mate. Good luck for, for that game. And, uh, and well, it's 15 weeks away, but uh, for the upcoming season, mate, we'll be keeping an eye out for the Wanderers and uh, and hopefully a, a better season than last year for the team, but uh, but an equally good season because you, you were one of the more consistent players uh, for the Wanderers last year. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Good on you, Jack. After the break, stick around. Joseph Gombau ahead of the AFC under-23s qualifying. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, coming up is the Oli Roos AFC qualifying tournament. Australia hasn't made the last two Olympics, and the man assigned with that task, he took the phone call from Ange Postacoglu. He's done plenty, or did plenty of good work at Adelaide United, and uh, he's the coach at uh, the Australian team for this uh, this qualifying period coming up, which starts in Myanmar next week. Welcome to the show, Josip Gombal. Hi, thanks. Thanks for the invitation. So you've got a week uh, before the tournament starts. You've got a couple of warm-up matches uh, uh, before you head off. Um, it is a massive task, though. Let me let me ask you, first of all, how did you feel and, and how proud were you when you took that phone call from Ange Postacoglu who were inviting you into the inner sanctum of, uh, of Australian football? Yeah, for me it was uh, something big, no? Because uh, to, to a national team that call you to... to to come here to Australia and, and to coach the under-23, that is one step below that, uh, the Socceros, is something that uh, first uh, I, w- I was very proud, and second I feel that I have a, a big responsibility, and uh, so happy to, to take it this position and, and working hard to make it that uh, these players uh, grow in a in a good uh, environment in a good way, uh, play the same way that uh, the Socceros uh, is playing, have the same philosophy help them to, to grow and, and to become uh, better footballers. And, uh, of course, also as a team, uh, try to qualify to every single tournament that, uh, that we go and, and, and try to, in three years' time, uh, to, to be in the Olympic Games. Josip, you've just spent some time with the Socceroos in, uh, in Russia. Just before we talk about uh, some of the specifics about this, um, this qualifying tournament that uh, you're taking the under 23s to. Can you just reflect for us about your time with the Socceroos and and um, how much progress was made in in, uh, in Russia and uh, and and just your own experience in Russia, what, what it was like? Yes, I think that uh, we did a very good tournament in the Confederations Cup. Uh, the team uh, started uh, from less to, to more, and we play uh, in the beginning. Uh, we changed the, the, the way that we play, uh, and now with this three four three new new system. And, uh, and I think that, uh, that we grow a lot in, in the tournament and, and, and the last game against Chile, really uh, Australia need to be proud from, for the work that the boys uh, did. 
and uh, we did so so well. No? I think that the, this uh, competitions cup will be for us a big experience. Uh, the team, uh, I think, that grow a lot from, from this tournament, and now we're just uh, waiting uh, to to have these qualifying games, the last two for the World Cup, and uh, hopefully we will get a good result and we can be in the next uh, World Cup. Absolutely, we all we all uh, we all hope for that. You've brought in five overseas-based players to your squad that's going to go to Myanmar uh, uh, shortly. Um, can you tell us about uh, just the the quality of those players? Um, and um, in particular, you're probably in a good position to talk about Anwar Mabil. Obviously, he's moved uh, to Mittyland after being with you at Adelaide. Have you seen his uh, his quality improve in the time that he's been away? Yeah, look, uh, we had uh, a camp on March uh, in, in Spain, but uh, we bring in uh, all the, the young players that, uh, that are playing in Europe uh, from uh, 19 years old uh, till 22, and, uh, and we have the, their two games, and, and from this camp uh, we bring some players now in uh, here in, uh, in this uh, tournament in Myanmar. And after uh, we had uh, two two camps also here in, in Australia with the I League basic players, and uh, and we mix uh, both of them, and, and now uh, it's the final list. No, uh, the, the, the big uh, the big list is from from here from the I League because uh, the players uh, uh, this year uh, I think that the, the, the age players that uh, we are selecting they they play a lot. Uh, this is something very good. Uh, every every A League uh, round was uh, playing around 20, 21 players, and from these 20, 21 players, uh, 14, 15 start uh, in the first 11. No? And this is something that uh, is very good. Really, I, I feel that uh, we have a very good squad, and, uh, and I am happy to, to uh, with the team that, uh, that we uh, we select for this tournament. Uh, finally, some of the players that uh, are coming from Europe, uh, they can come, uh, like Iowa. Iowa, uh, he was in Michigan, but uh, just signed this week uh, with a Portuguese club uh, in first division and uh, his new club uh, don't allow him to come to the tournament but uh, yeah, we have uh, also Rally Magri that was in Adelaide United that now signed for Kampuic that is coming Uh, Miroslav Popovic that is a a young player that is playing in Germany and uh, yeah and after we have uh, also Stefan Mock and Tom Glover that he he did all the camp with us Uh, they are here now in in Sydney and and we are preparing the tournament I think that uh, we got a, a very good squad, a good balance, and, and good players, and, and excited to to start the tournament. And, and, uh, and I think that we can do a, we can play a good football, and we can do a good job, and we we can qualify to the Asian Games that will be in general in China. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the coach of the Oli Roos under-23s team, Josip Gombau. Now, Josip, we've talked about some of those overseas players, and, and in your response to Michael there, you uh, you did mention um, what is very clear to, to anyone who looks at that squad list, that, that the vast majority of players are from the A-League. You've left out players like uh, Leicester City's Callum Elder, Burnley's Aidan O'Neill, and Jordan Holmes from Bournemouth. So are we working on the similar theory that uh, that Ange Postacoglu has, that you want players who have played a lot of time on the pitch and uh, regardless of, of what club they're at, you need them playing? Yeah, this is the most important. Uh, you need to think that uh, when we bring the players in in a camp, we have just them uh, for a short period, uh, a week before the tournament or sometimes even, even less. And uh, it's important that uh, the players came uh, to, to us in a good shape and with uh, with uh, a lot of uh, game time in in, his, in their clubs, no? because uh, at the end uh, something that uh, football 
it's not just training, it's also playing playing it, no? And and, and then when they are playing in the club they come in, in a good fitness, in a good shape and uh, also uh, they, they come with a good taking taking decisions in, in the game time that, that, that they are playing. For us, it's very important. Uh, of course, a player that uh, is a good player, but uh, is not playing uh, game time, is difficult to ask to, to to select because uh, he is a good player, but he's missing a lot of things. You now that, that, that the competition brings to you. Now, uh, Josip, to to qualify for China next year for the um, the under 23s AFC, AFC tournament, you need to finish top of your group or uh, one of the top five second positions. Uh, and then looking at the the games we've got against Singapore. Uh, First of all, Brunei, then Singapore and Myanmar. We don't know a lot about those those countries. Uh, it would seem, on the surface, to 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 the outsider that uh, you know we uh, with the pedigree that we have, um, that we we if we turn up and and play our best football, we should be able to get that job done. Uh, are you which of those three uh, nations are you expecting the most difficult uh, um, battle against? Yeah, look, uh, for, for, first, uh, for us, the, the most important is to, to respect uh, every single team that we play. No? We, we have our respect for everybody, but uh, for sure that uh, we don't fear for, for anyone. No? We, we think that uh, if we do our job and we play uh, our football, we need to, we, we should uh, win the game. Eh? Uh, mm. This is the, the most important. No? Uh, but uh, playing at home, uh, as uh, the tournament is in Yangon, uh, in Myanmar, for sure that uh, the, the national team of Myanmar uh, will be a, a difficult team to, to beat because uh, they are playing at home and, and with the, the, the hot weather, with the, he playing his field in his stadium again mm. uh, with, with his fans and this. But uh, then it's something that uh, is not uh, something that we need to use as an excuse for us. It's we need to do, go there and to do the job and, and, and to, to work hard and to play good football and, and to win. Uh, this is for what we are working now and for this reason we are preparing. We need to qualify for, for China next year and uh, this is always the main objective. Josip, one of the players that uh, Soccer's fans or Australian football fans are really looking forward to uh, watching him evolve is young Popovic, who, who did um, in uh, previous times play uh, for the Serbian national team at under-19 level, but but um, he's got quite an exciting um, quite an exciting reputation. What can you tell us about him and uh, how he's how he's uh, developing? Yeah, Popovic, uh, he's a, a number nine that uh, uh, is playing in, in Germany. Uh, he, he can play also as a left wing because uh, he's left foot, and uh, last year he was playing. In, FC Cole and uh, FC Cole uh, use him in both positions. Uh, in the camp that uh, we have in, in March in Spain, he played uh, for us in uh, one game as a left winger and one game as a nine, and, and he did very well. He's a top player and, and, and big body. He holds the ball very well, and also he's strong in the air and, and have a good finishing. Really, he's a, he's a good player, that, and, and we are uh, so happy to have him in this tournament with us. Hey Yosip, thank you for joining us on the show. We uh, we wish you all the very best to uh, to get through these uh, early stages of qualification. As uh, we uh, we really uh, want to see the Socceroos, uh, the Oliroos, back on the uh, on that uh, international stage at the Olympics in uh, in Tokyo in 2020. So uh, it's the early stages of that journey, and um, you've worked through some important diplomacy issues to to get the strongest squad in, in um, to represent the country. So uh, so we wish you luck, Yosip. Thank you. Thanks for everything. We will work uh, so hard to, to try to achieve uh, the objective and, 
I'm for sure that uh, the boys will will put everything and and will, and will run every single goal to to win the, this game and to make it that the people here in Australia. Uh, be proud of them and, and be happy. Thank you, Josip. Stick around. After the break, Dino is going to be back and we're going to talk about everything going on in the domestic game. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, Dean Hennessy is in here. We're 15 weeks away in the longest off-season in the history <laughs> of world sport. Uh, Dino, Joseph Gombauer, uh, you've got to pay close attention to what he says because uh, that, um, that accent of his is uh, you know, very pronounced. But uh, if you listen carefully to what he says, uh, he really hits the mark and uh, hopefully he'll be a, a, a serious player, in inverted commas, in the future of uh, junior or Ollie Roof football in this country. Well, with his background, obviously in Spain, I've listened to him in the seminar and spoke to a lot of uh, a lot of sense. Um, he was very successful, in my opinion, especially the way Adelaide played when he was mm. in charge. Um, touched on the the Ange philosophy that that will be you know repeated from you know mm. the lower reaches as it goes down the line. Um, and look, I wish um, I wish him all the all the success because I think it's good to have a different flavour, you know. Um, Spanish flavour. Spa- Spani- yeah, Spanish flavour. You know, the Spaniards are, are great footballers. They're generally technically gifted and um, <clears throat> they obviously think a lot through as well. So I think, it, uh, I think it's quite a good mix and hopefully it will be successful for... Uh, now, we didn't ask Joseph Gombo about... Uh, obviously the shenanigans during the week with Adelaide. But what mm. did you make of that, Rob, where Adelaide's uh, chairman um, and, and their football man- manager pulled out uh, five players, but then, you know, it was smoothed over sort of during the week. But um, did you detect any bad blood between Adelaide and, and Gombau? You'd, you'd think there would be, but I think it's very sensitive um, behind the scenes. And, you know, it's just disappointing that we have to see that sort of stuff play out um, in, in the public place. So you'd reckon that at this sort of level, particularly when you're playing with young boys uh, um, futures and uh, you know these are young boys that you know that they think that this is their first and only ever opportunity and it might be in some cases so yeah just disappointing that it was it played out in the uh, in the public um, environment yeah absolutely let's move on from that because can, can I just just before no, we do move yeah. on that just I think it's important as well with in the state of where we are in in the football landscape as we speak right now is that there is a divide from the clubs to the FFA, is, as, as we all know. The, the, so I think that I yeah. think that was all that was about was I'm saying, well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm the chairman of my club. I've got mm. five individuals, whether they're representing Australia or not, but they're contracted to me, mm. and I'm gonna flex my muscles. And as we said last week, Adelaide way out of order on that one. Uh, no, they have no legal. I don't agree on. with it either, but I think yeah. that's where it's from. And that's then, the motivation then it puts for obviously it. Obviously, yeah. and his team in yeah. in a position that he doesn't really want to be in. Hey Rob, did you know that there's an A-League club using Storage King at the moment? Did you know that? I know that there are a lot of sporting Do you know clubs who it around is, this though? organisation. Which A-League storage club? Gun. It's the Melbourne Victory. No, it's not. Melbourne Victory definitely is Storage King, so no. it must be someone else because no, I know no. that Sydney, they do. Sydney, Sydney FC are also using uh, Storage King because did you notice, I know we've talked about the result off the top mm. of the show, but did mm. you notice that Sydney FC didn't have Webjet on the front of their jerseys, on the front of their shirts? Yeah. Okay, and you know why? Because, because obviously the Webjet negotiation is still underway. Yes. So they've had to put all of that kit in right. storage, and a whole lot of it. Exactly. And if you're like <laughs> Sydney FC, if you've got to put some of that kit into storage, or if you're moving house, 
and the real estate agent says you need to declutter and get the best price, then you need to do what Sydney FC did and Melbourne Victory and call Storage King because they've got the space you need from small units to small apartments for large units for the biggest home and locations all over and town. boy, oh boy, does Sydney FC have some kit. They Whoa. certainly do. They are the kings of storage, moving and more. Because WebJet was on everything. Exactly, it was. The Storage King app and use the space calculator to work out just how much space you need. Call 1-800-STORAGE today and let Storage King give you back some space. Now, Dino, um, we, we've got uh, so much time to wait. Um, For the pre-season to At end. least we know the FFA Cup's coming. And that's well, we do. We've got the about. FFA Cup coming up, and I think late next week's show we'll Can start to preview that. question without notice, Dean? Yeah. Um, right, we had, obviously, uh, Jack Clisby on the show earlier we in did. this hour, and um, I asked him about uh, the swapping of plays between... A-League clubs, it seems to be very prevalent, more so now, currently. Don't like it at all. Yeah. and um, But it's no different in the NPL. Yeah, I, the same. I, I it's, understand It's, it's an Australian thing now, and it, nowhere else in the world does it happen, but it does here and now. I think that's going to be one of the I'd big love to changes know, that should be changed. I'd love to know the amount of players that each week that have played when they play their opposing team, whether how many of them have played with each other. Mm. Well, look, what you find is... And I, don't, this, I don't like it. Can it's, I just, it becomes a bit, I've got a bit of a theory on yeah. this. I think a lot. the reason why a lot of the younger players at A-League clubs can't get in is because they're getting recycled with the ones that are proven, saying, well, we're not sure. Is he going to make it? Can he be successful? No, we know he can do a job because he did it at that club, that club, that club, so we'll bring him to us. And that plays into expansion in second division because there's not enough opportunities for younger players, but I, which we've talked about but a lot. I do, again, I don't like the look of it. I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> there's not too many. I mean, I know we have uh, Terry McFlynn on the show and he was a one-club player mm. and, you know, you respect him for that and, and I think it's Archie great. Archie Thompson. Yeah, Archie Thompson, exactly right. One of uh, you know, the homegrown from back in here in Melbourne. Now... Talking about A-League, we've Liam got Reddy. obviously uh, <laughs> Liam Reddy. Um, few little transfers. See, Liam Reddy, uh, I've got to interrupt you there, Dan. Liam Reddy was uh, pumping out his uh, social media and had the photo of all the jerseys yeah. that he's, that he's <laughs> worn in He'd have a collection, he would, wouldn't he? He'd need more than 140 characters to do that. Correct. One. Well, just a quick sweep through the, the, the leagues. Uh, Adelaide's obviously George Black. Wood from Sydney has signed, uh, so a good little sign in there. Um, uh, Guillaume Moore, um, the former manager, is now part of and in charge of the uh, youth development at Barcelona, which is a really good uh, appointment for him. Uh, Sergio Sirio um, is now playing in Spain in Ibiza. And uh, interesting, this one, Marcello Carusca got released, but now has just got his Australian citizenship. So all of a sudden now, it's not a visa spot. And it'd That's be right. interesting He'll if get he... Picked up. He will yes. get picked up, whether it's in the A-League or, or in, in Asia yeah. or anywhere in the world, I guess. Uh, moving aside, no real news from Brisbane. Uh, Central Coast Mariners, um, Daniel De Silva, who uh, was... Well, he, he set... Uh, set to. He set tongues wagging in when he was playing for Perth because he scored some He was unbelievable goals. when he first hit the ground. But obviously he spent a year in Europe. No yeah, Rhoda. Yeah, on and, the way back. And now he just signed a three-year deal with um, last week uh, with Central Coast Mariners. Well, you've got to say that's a good sign. I think it's a good sign. You know, good luck to him. Hopefully, like with the experience he's had over there, he comes and hits the ground running. Um, next, we'll go to Melbourne Victory. Uh, just a little bit of news, not on a signing, but this is just on a uh, 
on a trialist and, and potential visa trialist, uh, Junshai Chow from South Korea, uh, who played for Junglan University in the U uh, League. 23 years old, and he's uh, I think he's arrived now on trial. So be interested to see how I'd he. I'd love to see more South fares. Korean and yeah. Japanese players come to the A League. Yeah, I really like the uh, Korean and Japanese players. Yeah, I think technically it's gifted. Yeah. Um, I think the issue, the issue is whether they can actually settle in. Yeah. Shinji Ono did, but uh, some of the others haven't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, now, Sydney, obviously, their new kit, so uh, I know... Yeah, they a... released their new strip during the weekend. Yeah. Without uh, the Webjet logo on it, with yeah. the Storage King logo emblazoned all over. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And most probably the busiest team of the week is uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, as of uh, yesterday, Chris Hurd, um, who um, we all... Well, I know really, really well. I used to play against his dad. And, uh, his he was, dad was a good And he player. was a burger, mm-hmm. as was you were. Yeah, one of your boys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well... Um, he's uh, had two, you know time at Villa and uh, was obviously there at, at Gillingham and he's now signed a two-year deal at Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, Mark Tokic uh, from the uh, under-17s uh, FFA um, Centre of Excellence, he's signed. Um, and also there is word, and it's getting pretty, pretty warm, that possibly a return for our boy Bridgie. Mm. We did discuss it, I think, last week on where he could go. I would have liked to have seen him go to Brisbane because I think yeah, uh, he would be an ample replacement for Jamie McLaren. But interesting uh, may not to be. Back Bridget to Western could, Sydney. But absolutely, Bridgie could be back there. Yeah, that's the mail I'm hearing too. So uh, well, yeah, so yeah, look, there's uh, there's plenty. Wellington going. doing anything, or are they just uh, not, got the queue in the rack? Nothing, uh, nothing as of this week. Uh, very, very quiet in that uh, part of the land. Um, I mean, Newcastle Jets have started playing pre-season games. Uh, Donovan scored on his debut, but I mean, you know, we've got the Sydney FC and Western Sydney Wanderers playing uh, Arsenal, obviously, at the moment as we speak. So look, um, I think it's that time of, of the season where everyone's just getting back into gear, getting yeah. And, and, there's and plenty obviously, of... FFA Cup will come around really soon, and mm. um, and um, you know, they've all of the A League clubs that play. Uh, local teams will just, um, well, let's in particular just, the NPL teams. Let's just have Sydney a quick, quick. We'll be looking uh, like, hang on, let's get organised. Right, so we don't know much about what's happening out there, but let's just make a prediction as of now, mm. and we'll come back to this a week before the season. I knew you were Where do. will people finish next year? So I'm going to mark this down. It's going to be you, you want, we, Do you go through the whole? No, uh, no, just who's going to who's going to be top at the end of the home and who's away? Who's going to be top and who's going to be bottom? Yeah. Well, okay. I'm thinking. I, I chose Melbourne City last year. Um, I, I was happy for a little while there when they won the FFA Cup. I thought um, they were looking reasonably good, so I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going to back Melbourne City. So Rob, and I'm going to keep tipping them until I, I'm right. <laughs> okay, so Rob is going to, and also for bottom, Rob. Uh, Wellington, sorry. Wellington, okay. Yeah. Now Edge, where I'm, are, I'm where ruling are you out. I'm ruling out Melbourne Victory because I think they're going to be in a bit of transition this year after a, a fair squad turnover. Yeah. I think they'll be at the pointy end, but I don't think they'll finish top. Uh, I'm um, ruling out uh, your mob, Melbourne City, Rob, because I think they're perennial underachievers. I think Perth can't play away. And you can't go through the entire. I think Brisbane. Uh, I think Brisbane. They've still got uh, need need a bit of extra cash to sign Mine. some. Come on. No, no, for me it's got to be Sydney FC. I'm sorry. First I think they absolutely. And last. And last Whoa. for me, um, I just I've lost confidence in Wellington. So you're going there yeah. as well? Okay. So having, having said that, it'll be a battle between Wellington and Adelaide for last spot. <laughs> okay. They don't 
pick Sydney. Well, I am going to. Cause <laughs> you bloody uh, look, I, I can't see. I think, look, they haven't signed really anyone now. There's going to be some something going to come through the door. I think a goalkeeper you need to might... come to the casino with me, mate. So I no, won't I'm, just put all my money on black gonna... or red. <laughs> we'll be picking zero and 24. Well, I am for a, the big dogs. I'm officially going to Sydney FC. Um, I, I tend to fear a little bit with Wellington, so... Central Coast, I think there'll be an improve. Yeah, Central Coast um, won't finish last. Adelaide's a concern, but I'm yeah. going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to go with everybody. Okay. And we'll go. Right, with Dino, we'll Wellington. recap on that just before Jeez, the good season. We've got plenty of time. Yeah. Okay, this is the our one, early preview safe, with with. There's with one the club week. though. There's one okay. club that could make a shake. Okay, well you tell Western us who Sydney. that is. Yes, I agree right. with that. Okay, so sit on the fence while you're <laughs> at it, both of you. Well done, Dino. <laughs> Stick around after the break. Former FFA technical director and one of the most renowned analysts in the game in this country. Yes, Ron Smith. He's going to join us, and we're looking forward to that conversation. Dino will stick around because we're going to talk about the international game and everything going on there. And we will wrap it up as we always do with stoppage time. That's all coming up after the break on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back. Second edition news shortly. Then we'll chat to former FFA technical director and one of the most renowned analysts in the game in this country, Ron Smith. And, of course, Dino returns with everything else going on in the international game. And we'll wrap it up with stoppage time, as we always do. Mark, what else have you got for us, mate? Well, a bit of a topical one. Uh, last time Arsenal toured Australia, the, par- the players partied so hard, it ended some Gunners' careers, but the tour also helped make a good friend of ours, John Cosminas. Now, of course, Cosy only ever played the one game for the Gunners uh, in the top flight, but of course, uh, end of the day, probably one more than you or Michael or I will probably <laughs> yeah, ever play in the English Premier League, I would have thought. So 40 years ago to the week, Cosy's performance against the Gunners in Sydney changed his life. The Socceroos legend starred and scored in Australia's 3-1 win over Arsenal at the Sydney Sports Ground, a place you'd be very familiar with, Rob. The old, Sydney uh, Sports basically Ground. Basically where the SFS stands today or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It was... Um, it, uh, was that old precinct the um, I think it was the SCG number two? Am I right in saying? I think yeah, it was something also like that. Other name. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, Michael, you're critical of these games, and and I understand yes, I where you're coming from. Yes, but I am. mate, it gave Cosy a chance to play in the EPL, albeit for one game. Well, um, back in uh, not that I want to um, besmirch John Cosmina's age in any way, but back in those <laughs> days, it was pre-digital uh, technology, Mark. So. I'm tipping that uh, even if uh, John Cosmina had been tearing up the NSL, Arsenal wouldn't have had too much footage of him going around. But mm. uh, the opportunity to see them... But it was the opp- fact he played against the correct. Gunners for that, the well, Socceroos? That was, that was the way it happened in those days, Mark. Mm. Uh, you know, they would often they'd uh, go on those pre-season tours Mate. and somebody would do well and before you know it, they'd sign them. We've spoken to Jack Clisby last hour. Could be Jack Clisby's chance to shine. Absolutely. On yeah, the, could you know, yeah. could oh, be. Why has he been so negative about this? He's used to leave Mr Positive, isn't oh, he? I don't know. Don't know. No, just the friendly games. I'm not too... Yeah, too I'm surprised. Too keen I just on. thought you were a bit mm. more positive than that, mate. You'd rather see Southampton take on uh, Brighton at the MCG in front of 8,000 people. Now, Michael Carrick has been named Man United's new captain following Wayne Rooney's departure, the midfielder who has made 479. That's 478 more than Cosy. Uh, Premier League appearances in... Thir- 479 more than me, Rob, I might say. Uh, appearances has 34 England caps to his name. Um, 
Interesting. Wayne, this whole Wayne Rooney business, I know Dean will probably talk about it yeah. a little bit later, but are we a fan of this? Yeah, Wayne, I, going back to... I love it. I, kind of, I, yeah, I, I like the, I like the kind of circle of life, kind of yeah, Lion King club. kind of nature of it. It's yeah. his club. You know the romance of it. Look, the only thing I, I, I would hate to see is if it doesn't work out that, uh, you know, Ronald Coleman's got a, uh, you know, a, a, a new group that have done well in the, the past couple of seasons, and I'd hate to see him not play a positive part for that group. Mm. Yeah, you want to finish this career well. That uh, magnificent uh, newspaper, which is the Daily Mail, which I read from time to time, had a really interesting article about Wayne Rooney. Every time he scored <laughs> for Manchester United against Everton, never celebrated and would push the players okay. away. That's so nice. he, he loves Everton, Wayne Rooney, no doubt about it. But and I think it's love awesome be... for the club that he's back. It, who knows? He might not actually play a, a, a massive role. but uh, wouldn't, he will, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to be at Old Trafford, though, that when, um, when Everton travel there? Yeah, here's through. the question: yeah. Will he celebrate if he scores against uh, the Red Devils? I would say not. Yeah, I'll no, trick. Uh, no. Can you imagine? Also, I, I know it's only 50, 60 k's down the road, but to tell you what, there's a certain type of business in Liverpool will be wrapped that he's returning. The oldest one in the business, That's I would have thought. Oh, Mark, can, can, we yeah, on, right can we please now, go on to the next? I think the grannies have all retired from the He's investigating shots, French Guyana after the nation opted to play Flight Maluda. I don't, I'm not part of that everyone, by the way. Come on. What's going on? Back to Concord. Oh, sorry, I thought I'd moved on to... Um, to world heavyweights French Guyana. Anyway, Florent Maluda, they played him at the Gold Cup despite the former France internationals' ineligibility. The ex Chelsea attacker and 2006 World Cup finalist, FIFA World Cup finalist, he's 37 now, was deemed ineligible to represent French Guyana at the tournament. Funnily enough, because he played 80 times for France. Uh, they've, played, they've played him in the game. Uh, however, boys, what's going on here? Can we. Uh, is there still a chance of Christian Berry getting a cap for the Socceroos? Get Ange on the line? Some chance that might have been an administrative how oversight. Did, how, how unlucky were we? Legend living in Perth. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about. It's oh, great radio. But it's stood up. Gabriel Batistuta. Yeah, yeah. That, how unlucky were we? Mm. Let's face it. Uh, Christian was born in Italy. Grew up in Western Sydney. Hmm. Dad played for Marconi. Yeah. Was for all intents and purposes, an Australian. Yes. Dino probably knows his dad. He probably played against him. Probably. Yeah, no, no. Okay. Oh, he was... Uh, and anyway, and, and when he speaks English, well. famously, he works on BN Sport, actually, yeah. so which we now see in Australia. He, he basically has an Aussie, an Aussie accent when he speaks yeah. English. Yeah. Yet he played for the Azzurri, and yeah. we got his brother. Yeah. Old Mass. Massiliamo. Old Max. Okay. Vieri. And he, and he, for all, he was day. actually born in Australia, grew up in Italy, and was Shithouse. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We, what's, uh, what's the French? Sorry, what's the English word for that? Yeah, that you just said. He it. was no Shizen good, and I'll never forget his first press conference with Frankie Flower, Frankie mm-hmm. Farina, and he's like, "I look forward to the game in uh, how you say Marzo, March. Oh, I look forward to the game in March. Anyway, didn't quite hit that one, Rob. I can see from your face you weren't really. Happy <laughs> no, no, I'm just wondering. He, he might be listening to the podcast, and he's just been slaughtered. And uh, poor yeah. Max. We should get Max on the show. Okay, you 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 uh, reach out to him and it's mm, my job, isn't it? Just anyway, play, and play early, that little bit to him. We still going? Yeah, we yeah, are. We're okay. still on there. An early start to the A League preseason will give Sydney FC's Andrew Redmayne more of a chance of becoming the club's first choice goalkeeper. The Sky Blues farewelled number one shot stopper Danny Vukovic, as we know, last month after his move to Belgian side Hank, uh, opening a gap that coach Graham Arnold says won't be filled for some time. My head's down, my bum's up, working hard and just focused on the season ahead, and of course. He gets to ply his trade against none other than Arsenal. I am going to make a prediction because the A League has the longest preseason in sporting, History, in sporting yeah. uh, competitions. Fifteen weeks away. 
15 weeks away. Uh, I am tipping City FC will sign a new goalkeeper who will be the number one prior to the start of next season. That's a prediction. No, and is, you can, uh, you can good, keep that tape, keeper. Nigel, and uh, you can play that back to me on round one. Okay. All right. Well, I hope it's better than some of my predictions. Mm, hopefully some better than some of my work so far tonight. But uh, anyway, striker. You tonight, Mark. You speaking. Sorry? Oh, I think he's on fire. No, you're going beautifully, Mark. It's a beautiful smell he's, of... He, for some reason, he's being very smell negative Smell of burning tonight. rubber in the air. I love yeah, it. Yeah, there mm. is. It's, uh, anyway, striker rancid. Mark Bridge looks set for a return to his former club, the Western Sydney Wanderers, for the upcoming A-League season. Worst secret said. in... Uh, in just, uh, just 15 weeks away. Um, Bridge is now a free agent after successfully terminating his contract with Thai club... Not even going to try. Chingrai United. Uh, last week, due to ongoing contractual issues, why do players keep going to places like this, Michael? Why do, do people say they're not going to even try then? Try because they, they promised a lot of money and they think they're going to get it. And when they don't get Thailand. it, they come out. Yeah. Hmm. How many times have Thailand won the World Cup, mate? You have how many times? He's, he's, he's lined up about five how people. Now he's about are... to line up Thailand. Why would you yeah, go well, to I'm Thailand? the great defender of Thailand. Now, who, who are we sitting here? How like, can we can, six weeks we away from a, a, a right date with destiny with Thailand. Just... Uh, and, uh, um, and, and we're slaughtering Thailand, who uh, will have every reason who to... did draw with yeah. us, of course, on exactly. the road. So. Mark spent a wonderful two weeks in Thailand in 2007. No, the the country's still recovering. I wasn't there, mate. Wasn't there? In spirit. Did spend about four or five days during my uh, uh, honeymoon. Yep, first and last time. Anyway, moving on, Man City have missed out on one of their summer transfer targets after Brazil fullback Danny Alves joined Paris Saint-Germain on a free transfer. Alves, who was signed a two-year deal, has opted against joining up with his former Barcelona coach Pep Guardiola. And what about this next what story? This? You've got Chuck Blazer, yeah, uh, whistleblower, disgraced. Yeah, well, shame for him, but not for the rest of us. Just uh, nicked it straight to second slip, Chuck. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but he uh, he was the he was the archetypal fat cat, wasn't he? In every sense of the word, he actually looked like a fat cat too. <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, Chuck Blazer. Anyway, uh, we'll get slightly serious here. Chuck Blazer, the disgraced American soccer executive whose admissions of corruption set off a global scandal that ultimately toppled FIFA president Sepp Blatter, has died. At age 72, Blazer's death was announced on Wednesday by his lawyers and uh, at a November 2013 court hearing during which Blazer entered guilty pleas to federal charges. Blazer said he had a rec- he had anyway, he had lots of problems. Hang on. He used Chuck. to get around uh, 10 years ago, so he's been he's been incapacitated for quite a while. He used to get around on one of those uh, <coughs> you know um, trolleys that mm. would motorise trolleys. But sadly, um, Jack. Chuck, Chuck. Um, for him and his family, he's gone. But for international football, he 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 was typified everything that was bad about. No, he, he was a cancer, like he had. In he his was actually the kingmaker yeah. of extraordinary proportions mm. Uh, mm. at his uh, peak mm. peak powers. Um, quite an extraordinary. Uh, but in a corrupt way. Oh yeah, I can't believe the the great country that is the United States of America, uh, in all its glory, put up with him at the top of the pole of their football mm. administration for you've such seen a long who, time. You've seen who's. In the White House in that country, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah you're probably not. You probably segue. Would be shocked. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not shocked. No, Dang but uh, yeah, having said that, uh, Chuck will be looking down on you right now, Mark. How's his son going, by the way, old mate? Donald Gunner. He's struggling. Donald Trump struggling Jr. You're talking about? Or he's got he's a few sons. Going. Well, yeah, he does. To many, many different wives. Anyway, that's fine. Uh, I like this final story. What about buried the lead? Harry Kuehl. Harry Kuehl. Now, Harry Kuehl has summed up what uh, his new charges at Crawley Town can expect from pre-season in just two words. 
hard work, you know, again, hard work. Um, the ex-Socceroos forward was appointed Crawley's new manager in May after almost two years in charge of Watford's under-21 side. Cure confirmed... Uh, sorry, that, that's the photo caption that I probably should have deleted. The 2017-18 League 2 campaign will be Kuehl's first in charge of a senior men's team and the 38-year-old can't wait for pre-season. We spoke about this when he got appointed uh, with Dino, and it's great. This is the, correct me if I'm wrong, the first of that golden generation of Australian players to actually yeah. be coaching in his own right. And Crawley Town, not a household name, must be said, Michael. Rob, are you detecting a hint of sarcasm in Mark's... No, I'm no, not, actually. being serious right now. Being I love Harry. Because well, Harry wouldn't even be 40. Again, would Harry be 40 well, yet? Well, as, as I said, again, yeah. I'm only 38. Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. So I'm not old. Mate, 20 even years though I grew time, up in Western Sydney and, and, and Yorkshire, I've got Cockney accent again. No, but, this is my you know, prediction. Put this in the vault and bring it back in 20 years' time. Harry Kuehl to take Australia to the World Cup where we make the final four for the first time in 20 years' time. There we go. That that's that, that's one, Nigel, are you listening? That's one to really put in the vault. <laughs> Can you please... Might have to, uh, have to future-proof it. I'm not sure the technology you that you're saving it on right now will be around Rob, then, but... Uh, Rob, no, I'm being serious, Rob, Michael. Rob, touch like, a Harry, sarcasm there with Rob, do you think? Nothing, no, no, mate, no, absolutely. What are you talking about? No, I don't think there's any sarcasm from me or, or Rob. Harry, I've got to say, was a, uh, someone who's worked in Australian football media for 15 years... Interviewed him quite a few times during his career in my magazine days. Mm. A bit prickly, to say the least, when he was playing. And he really he seemed to have a chip on his shoulder. And, of course, he went to Liverpool, didn't quite work out. He seems to be now, when he's coaching, and fair enough, I've only mm. spoken to him when he's at Watford and, and he's been sacked from that job. But he seems to be a pretty carefree kind of guy now and, and really focused. And, and, again, being one of only two or three Australians to have ever really made it at the top level in, Australia, mm. in world football... He is really the the guy that can get us there in terms of putting Australian coaching on the map mm. and paving the way for guys like Ange. Ange mm. wants to go coach in the Premier League. Probably not going to happen until we make the top four at the World Cup. Um, <laughs> he's the guy who can do it. So well, if he, he's got um, the name, he's got the runs on the board. Well, he's clearly and he likes to say again. He does again. Okay, so again, again. Uh, but I know again you're trying to get to a break. Exactly, and I'm pissing you off again. <laughs> okay. But you All know right. why? So in the short term, the current gaffer for the Australian side is Ange Postacoglu, and mm. there has been a lot of short-term controversy about the system. The man we're going to talk to next, Ron Smith, the former FFA technical director, amongst many other uh, titles that that man has held, knows exactly whether this system will work or not for Australia. So stick around, because after the break, it's Ron Smith. We're going to quiz him on whether it will work for the long term or whether it's going to fail. That's all next on Box to Box. Again. You idiot. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio on many apps around the world and the podcast Box to Box NTS.com.au. Now, there's been plenty of conjecture over the Socceroos system for the past few months. To get to the bottom of whether Ange Postacoglu is in the right track, former technical director of the FFA amongst many of his glittering uh, roles over the journey of his long history in the game, one of the most renowned analysts, of course, is Ron Smith. And welcome to the show, Ron. Thank you. So, Ron, we, we talk about it a lot. There's a lot of conversation about um, the, the system that Ange has instituted with the uh, the senior side. We had Josip Gombau in the opening hour, and uh, and he's obviously mirror imaging that with the uh, the Oli Roos squad. Um, the, the question on everybody's lips is, uh, do we have the cattle to, to uh, effectively execute this system in the long term, and is it the best system for, for our national team? Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. Um, 
at the end of the day, as a coach of any team, you stand by your decisions. And if you think that you've got the players to fit a system, then you'll play it. Um, at the end of the day, the, the game, whatever system you want to play, has upsides and downsides. So some people like to kind of set up a team so that you're, you're going to be very solid defensively. Um, Ange has always played what I would call high-risk football. And when it comes off, it's great. When it doesn't, then you're vulnerable. But that's a risk that you take. Um, and I think that um, once you get into the opponent's half of the field, systems kind of go out the window a little bit. Hmm. I've always believed that. Um, and um, I, can re- I can recall, well, let's, before I go back to Gus Hiddink, um, but to answer your question, I think that um, what Angie's doing um, is good in my opinion because he's trying to create more flexibility in the way he plays football. And he's, he's thinking ahead. The gamble is when you do it. You know, and so when you start tinkering with the jobs that players do in the team and how you're going to set up when you've got important qualifiers coming up, the, the risk is that it might not work, you know, as well as you'd like. Um, but that might be the case anyway, even if you stick with what you're used to. There's no guarantee that you're going to win games. Um, and uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, I think um, Angie's the only one who can really say that, yes, I believe I've got the players to do it. I think that his biggest dilemma is in picking the four midfield players. Mm. Um, I can see what he's trying to do, and um, at times it works quite well. Our vulnerability is that we have a tendency to push up really high, which leaves space behind. doesn't matter whether you've got a back three or a back four. Um, if there's space behind, people with pace will try and exploit it. Yep. So that's the dilemma that you face, however, whatever system you want to play. Ron, what do you make of the um, the, the broader discussion by um, uh, media uh, and the fans generally? Uh, I know that to, you have a look at social media from time to time. Um, yep. Is it a bit of a sign of um, um, our football community maturing that we're we're happy to engage in discussions around a back three versus a back four? I know, um, looking at um, some of Andrew's comments, he's maybe been a little bit frustrated at that. But what do you take of all of that dialogue? Um, because I have a few opinions about it, but I'd really like to know what yeah. you what you think of it. Well, um, at the end of the day, you've got to look at the game in two components. There's what you do when you've got attack in play. And then what you do when you've lost it. As a coach, I probably had my best um, spells in terms of winning games playing with a back three. Because I think it gives you uh, a great advantage going forwards because you have more people coming onto the ball in an attacking sense. But I always defended with a back four out of five. I, you know, If you're just going to rely on having a back three defensively, you leave a lot of space. And no matter what you do, people will always run into space. So the the real dilemma that you face as a coach is, do you leave space for people to run into or do you kind of fill it and prevent that? And so you're ready for people making forward runs. Mm. 
Um, and, you know, that really is the dilemma. Um, the fact that people are discussing it and everything else, I think is great. It shows yeah. a lot of interest and kind of, if you like, a bit of maturity in terms of how you can play football. And I think it's a credit to Ange that he's prepared to, to change the way he wants to play. This is Box to Box um, on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Ron Smith, elder statesman of Australian <laughs> football and senior analyst, and his good mate Dean Hennessy's in the studio. Dino, mate, yeah. you know more about coaching than anyone in this studio. You ask the next most sensible question to Ronnie, mate. Well, it is, um, it is interesting. It is interesting, Ronnie, um, with regards to um, this season when, when we were working with the first team at Hume, we tried a back three. Uh, we yeah. started with the back four, but it became a three as soon as we, met, we moved into midfield and overloaded and really got a lot of joy in it, certainly in the earlier parts of the season. Then obviously, you know, <laughs> games are all about winning games. And, yeah. you know, you are vulnerable, 100% in your comments there where, uh, you know, we look really good going forward, create lots of chances, but we do look exposed going the other way. Um, yeah. Like anything, you know, things change in football. And but I think I think the the back three's got a lot of upside. And I just wonder how many teams, like say in the A League, would adopt this now that Andrew's adopted it. That's a good uh, that's a good point, Dino. Um, I think um, as a year, if I reflect back years ago, when I was working at the AIS. We used to expose the young players to um, playing with a back three and a back four and different shapes in midfield and how it impacted on what they're trying to achieve. And I think that was the right way to educate players so that whenever they got picked into a national team, if the coach said, or even into the NFL, if a coach said, right, you know, we're going to play with a back four, and the boys would go, okay, no problem. Oh, we're going to play with a back three. Okay, no problem. Um, and I think having a flexible approach in the development of players is the best thing that we ever did in this country. But for the last 10 years, we've gone right away from that. You play one style of football. This is it. There's your job. Just do that. No more. And I think that is now becoming our biggest weakness because we're so predictable. And a credit to Ange, he's trying to get rid of that predictability, I think. That's my honest opinion. Um, you know, if if uh, if if I'm used to uh, the the problems that I'm going to face as a player, or the advantages that we've got of playing out with the back three, for example, if I if I'm exposed to all of that as a young player, then when I get into a senior team, and particularly with a national team, where you don't get much time to work with the players, we're very different to club football. Then you need players who are adaptable, in my opinion. And Ron, that ought to be part of our development. Ron, since Ange has uh, swapped to the back three, and I know Ange at times says, you know, it's about defending it as a block two. So you might say it's a back three, but Ange says at times it's a back five, subject to yeah. where, where we've got the ball and, uh, in, and, and what position on the field. But um, since he swapped to that uh, system before the uh, Iraq game in Tehran, have you seen good signs of progression as as he's had a little bit more time with the players in camp and and it through the Confederations Cup, do you feel that uh, the team's becoming more comfortable with what he's asking them to do? Um, in a sense, um, I, I think that the, the issue is how high do you press, whether you've got a back three or back four. If you press high on people, you leave, you leave plenty of space behind for people to run into, and therein lies the dilemma. 
Um, if you think about what's happened in, in some of the games, um, if you don't fill space, then you leave the opportunity for midfield players. And I think about the third goal we conceded against Germany, where our back three was kind of spread um, across the field. Bailey Wright was actually near the touchline. And um, the dilemma is, do you fill space with another player or do you rely on midfield players tracking runners? Now, the, the, the problem that you face is that if an opponent times his run well, even with the best of intentions, he's going to beat you into a space because he's the one who says go. And that's why um, it's risky relying on midfield players to track opponents completely. Um, and, but that's the choice you take. You know, as a coach, you, either, you do one or the other. You either say, well, if someone's out there, we need to slide across and fill that space. So if someone actually makes a run, we can defend against it. Ron, yeah. Ron, can I just take you to another part of your life in the past? We had your great friend Gary Cole on the show two or three weeks yeah. ago, and uh, okay. he talked about his experience when he was at the AIS uh, working with you. And yeah. he he said, before I start, Dino, um, I'm going to just read you three different years worth of players, and he just rolled them off the tongue. And honestly, it was all of that generation where you just go, oh, he could play, he could play. Yeah, it isn't like that now. And and I think the you know I'd, I'd like your thoughts and and what you think about you know the closure of the AIS and also the way our youth development in this country is going not only domestically within the clubs whether it's A League or NPL but also from a national point of view. Um, well, first of all, Dean, I'd, what I'd say is that I think society's changed and the quality of football right across the board across the world has gone backwards. I don't think there's as many good players now as there were 20-odd years ago. Mm. And I put a lot of that down to they're being coached too early to play systems and individuality is kind of knocked out of people. That's my honest opinion. 20-odd years or 30 years ago, when your Vadukas and Harry Kiels grew up, they didn't have iPads, they didn't yep. have Wii games, they went out and played. Mm. And, and I've said this for most of my life you don't teach touch you only develop it so from a technical point of view the kids that spent all the time in the street your Joe Simonich's, Ned Zelich you name all of them they'll all tell you the same story that doesn't happen now and, that, that, and I think it's in the developed world it's not just Australia so what you're seeing is we've got um, a far less capable product even playing in the Premier League compared with 20 years ago. You don't see the individuals that you had 20-odd years ago because it's being coached out of them. I think we're coaching kids way too early about systems. I read a thing that horrified me on the weekend about West Ham have got 11 full-time analysts from under 9 cool. to under 15, and they're, they're making kids sit in front of video to analyse their performance mm. at 9 years of age. Yeah. Now, if that ain't brainwashing, I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, if I had a nine-year-old kid, I wouldn't let him near an EPL academy. Yeah. You know, I mean, so what's happened to kids just going out and playing and having fun and having a go at doing things and trying tricks and learning how mm. to do this and the other? That's where you develop technique. Yeah. And I, I think this is the biggest shift, and we're trying to come to terms with it 
Um, and the best thing we can do is not try and overcoach kids, but is to create environments where they can go and play. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, that's, that's my honest belief. And then mm. when the kids get a bit older, we ought to provide more opportunity now for any kids that want to get better. Well, okay, where can I go? Where can I go to get some help? No yeah. different to if I want to improve my, you know, my understanding of mathematics, um, I can go and get a tutor. So if you want to get better, well, let's have, you know, either centres or coaching um, opportunities where kids can get better without being told, oh, you're great, you're going to make it, you know, yeah. you're nine and a half years old. You're sure. going to be a star in the Premier League. Yeah, um, exactly. No, it's know. so true, Ron. It um, that uh, you know at those stage, those those minds are so impressionable, and uh, and a lot of kids and their families are being set up for disappointment because uh, not all of them are going to make it. Hey, Ron, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. We really appreciate your your considered and, and you talked thoughtful to him for analysis. Hours, couldn't you? Yeah, we absolutely <laughs> could, and I think we do need to resume this conversation uh, maybe after the Thailand game to just see how how it's all going. So, Ron, thank you for joining us on the show again. Okay. No problem, my pleasure. Excellent. Okay, stick bye. around because after the break, Dino is going to stick with us. We're going to talk more international football. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, what a great conversation that was with Ron Smith, and we want to expand on that a little bit with Dino in a moment. But before we get going on that, I know we've talked about this several times in the last couple of weeks, but I do want to keep talking about this particular topic with our mates at Chemist Warehouse because the largest organ in your body is your skin. So love the skin you're in with Healthy Care Grapeseed Extract from Chemist Warehouse. As your body ages, oxidation causes your body to produce free radical cells, which are cells that can no longer repair themselves. Grapeseed extract may help to reduce free radical cell damage and could also assist in the improvement of blood circulation, which is important, Dean, for healthy skin and the wonderful healthy skin that all of the boys in this room have, just like uh, the you know the, the backside of a of a newborn baby, um, isn't it, mate? Well, I would love to have the skin of a newborn baby, but my skin's never <laughs> been the best, to be honest. So I'll t- <laughs> I'm being up front. So I'd, I'd take any anything, and definitely I'll be running down and maybe sprinting down. Do you think? To do you think Ron Smith uh, partakes in a bit of grape seed extract? I'm sure Ronnie would uh, try it. And I think he would too. I'll tell you one thing about Ronnie, he would have an opinion on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And if you needed uh, to develop your opinion on grape seed extract, get on down to Chemist Warehouse because you can get 100 capsules of Healthy Care grape seed extract, 12000 for just 15 bucks. Always read the label. Use only as directed. Vitamins should not replace a balanced diet. Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices guaranteed. So Ronnie was fantastic. Oh, how um, good was he, animals. Dean? He, he was superb. I mean, you can just talk, he just makes sense when he speaks about issues that uh, a lot of fans and a lot of uh, analysts get a little bit muddled up from time to time. It was really fascinating listening to him. And and I think um, a couple of things I took out of it is that, uh, yeah, life has changed and kids don't play in the streets like uh, we used to do. And I remember when we were kids, we would kick the ball to each other until the the lamp light went out. I know we were running out of time, but I I was watching a bit of being sports on the weekend and there was an under-16 Spanish tournament uh, being played and and you you, you never see kids play on the TV and I I was just fascinated by watching these young Spanish uh, kids go about it and they they just looked like they were having fun and 
And that seemed to be what he was talking and about. And look, it was spot on. The big, the big thing, you know, like we all created our own destiny and, and went on journeys and we had these little, you know, little skills or little tricks that used to go in the playground and at school or in the park. And, and that's how everyone grew up in those days. You know, football was, we were all football mad and, and everybody bought into it. What about his comment, you can't teach, well, you can't coach touch, but you can develop it. Absolutely. And look, at that, that's where he's, you know, he's, for me, a loss to the game in the sense of him being in a, still a really big, serious role. I mean, he goes and helps a lot of people out. But, you know, of, of the people on my journey as a, as a player and as a coach, he's been a massive influence and uh, he's been really successful and we keep in oh, touch. You and about 3,000 other people who are involved in the game in Australia. Well, he's made a, his legacy is enormous. Yeah. Well, it is. And it's interesting that in his time when he was in the youth system, we're comparing like, you know, then where Australia was really, mm. really healthy. England were really struggling. And again, you know, England's had a really, you know, using that. And we know the Germans, so there's many countries. Portugal have been successful. And, they, and this well, is what you still get to, I mean, you're just about to talk about the European under-19 well, under championship. And England's playing Portugal, Portugal in the final. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it just shows you that, you know, when we had John Peacock on the show a few yeah. weeks ago, that he was saying it was really healthy. And to win one tournament, runner-up in another, and potentially to win another tournament... You know, the game must be going, in, 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 for me, in a good direction. The only query we all have in England is how much time are they going to play at first-team football once they've got through this period of their youth development? Well, it's interesting with Josip Gombau. We talked about uh, the, the squad and how they did leave you know, three uh, players playing in, in uh, the UK behind because they, they weren't playing. Weren't getting, yeah, yeah. so it, it, it's a real problem, just not only for the English boys, but also Australian. Dino, this is a bit of a Dorothy Dixer. I know it's a, uh, I'm going to ask you a question that's close to your heart. Uh, England... Uh, the English develop, Youth Development uh, Program at times has been poo-pooed by certain Euro snobs here in the Australian uh, press. Yep. And um, this summer, this European summer, England have made four youth uh, continental championships. So they're obviously doing something right, Dean. Well, they are. Um, and again, it's it, it's it's great. And you know, and and the words out from. When, when you speak to John, he's very buoyant about what the clubs are doing at there. But yeah. you see, Ronnie like has a different opinion on it when yeah. he said he wouldn't go down that path. I mean, who's right, who's wrong, don't know. Uh, but the one thing that's really, really important is the development of footballers. And, and I agree with, you know, they should have an ability to express themselves. The most exciting players are the ones that catch your eye. And there's an old saying, you know, the good players always do the, the good things really, really simple. Now, Dino, we want to get on to some of this transfer news because there there's been some big news this past week with uh, Romelo Lukaku uh, signing up with uh, Manchester United. We talked about uh, Wayne Rooney. Um, well, what do you think about him? Let's just talk about well, talk about Wayne for starters. Yeah. I mean, that's really big news. Um, obviously, I don't know Wayne personally, but I know his uncles. They live in Australia, have done for many, many years, played against his uncle. Uh, but in fact, didn't play with the older uncle, but played in charity oh, games. Was that Mickey? No, no, no. The, Robbie. Robbie's Mickey. Yeah, that was a good one, Rob. No, uh, Robbie, and he was a fiery character. But I think from Wayne's point of view, he's always been an Everton lad, like what the whole family is, and mm. um, and that they're all Evertonian. So him mm. going home, I think, is a great move. I don't think he would want to have gone to any other Premier League club, a bit like John Terry not wanting mm-hmm. to go to any other Premier League club. So he's dropped to the Championship. But the big question is, has he got any juice in the tank? I think he has, definitely. Oh, no, I, I think Jose's Jose, and mm-hmm. um, you know he didn't, 
he didn't really get a really good go under Jose, and he had, he had some good players there. I don't think the brand of football, to be honest, Man United played this year was great, mm. but it was successful, was got them on the right road. So mm. who can argue with that? But I think Wayne will have just like a. I think he'll feel like one. He's back home. He's going to go and express himself. He'll say, "Well, I've got X amount of time." And left he wants in this to game. play in the World Cup. And he's he, got to and play first team and football. You know what? If he starts banging in goals like he did on his debut against uh, David Seaman, which mm. in his debut was an absolute mm. worldy top corner and beat the best goalkeeper in England at the time, mm. I think he could just be what Everton needs because he mm. will mentally and physically be at the race all the time mm, mm. and as long as he keeps his fitness I mean look at the end of the day he's only just become the most yeah. prolific goal scorer in English football and Manchester United and broke and unbelievable have, records but you can have all the talent and you can have all the fitness and you can have all of the resources mm. but when you've got passion for a club unbelievable passion it, it, it actually drives him on so mm. you're right I reckon that he won't turn edge. up he won't turn up um, until he's ready to go and uh, he'll, he'll be great for Everton but what about the 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 player that went the other way, Lukaku. What about him? Well, that's an interesting one. I mean, well, uh, well Jose let him go from uh, Chelsea and he did. Uh, and and loaned him a few times yeah. before they sold him. Yeah. But yeah. is he? I mean, how, how good do you think he he is? Oh, look, he, how good can he be? Uh, the key will be: will he get the service he got like at Everton? Every time they were anywhere in anywhere near the top third, it was into his feet, and then with his ability to hold people off, turn both sides of his body, strike balls like he does. And he also he actually brings players in. I mean, I think I think he will be good as long as he's played the right way and it suits his game. It's like anything, especially for specialist players like strikers, they need that service that provides them the opportunities to score goals. And plenty of other news to talk about, and uh, including Chelsea's. Eden Hazard apparently got on the blower to Zinedine Zidane and said, "I'm not, I'm not coming, brother. I'm staying." No, look, and I, and I like that. If that's true, I mean, you know, you know, it's rumour. You know, it's rumour. <laughs> it's got, it's our gossip column. But if it is true, I love that. I mean, I think that's what, that's what, that's what we don't get a lot of nowadays. You know, there's always a little story here and there. But just come out and tell it the way it is. He's happy at Chelsea. Why wouldn't he be? He's happy. He's the captain of Belgium. He's playing the best football he's been playing since he started and let me tell you he's had high standards for a very very long time I think there was only that one off season that Chelsea had he's, he's only 26 he, by the and way and he's an outstanding football and I remember when I was 26 certainly not putting myself <laughs> in his class but you do get to know where the game's at at that age and I think now he knows where he's at and that's why he's made that decision it's a smart one and, and, the, and the Daily Mirror is reported as gospel that uh, Chelsea's going to beat Juventus for the signing of uh, Real Madrid's right back Danilo Again, rumour, but the Daily, Mirror, da- the, the Daily Mirror is saying it's going to happen, Dean. Well, I said, well, if the Daily Mirror says it's going to happen... Yeah. You can take you, that to the you, bank. You, exactly, you can take that to the bank. Now, Dino, um, before we, we end, um, you, you have had in your notes here an update on the uh, the football abuse um, scandal. We promised, and as you indicated last week, we're going to keep our listeners updated on the Yeah, there. look, I think we, it's, it's great talking about the great stories. The not-so-great ones are always a bit you know, hard for everyone to deal with, but uh, unfortunately... Um, police have identified 181 new victims in the investigation to child sex abuse within the football in the UK since April. Um, that number's risen from 560 to 741, and and unfortunately 96% aged between four and 20 years old. Um, the, 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 the most probably the the highlight of this, if there ever, ever such thing, is that all 
all 328 football clubs, sparring all levels of games. They're going into quarries to up with the call Operation Hydrant. So mm. no one no one can get away with this now. I think they're going right to the depths of all levels of football yeah. to find out where it's happening and, and to stop it. And, and until it does, I mean, mm. we'll keep reporting it and, and, and making sure people are aware of it. And obviously we in Australia, it, it can happen here as well. So, mm. you know, we all have police checks and, you know, working with children licenses and um you know but again i've got one but how how much are they actually scrutinized mm. and and really followed through so it's an interesting space and not a nice space to be dealing in absolutely not a nice space to be dealing in but what is a good space to deal in is that the premier league in england starts on the 11th of august not Four long weeks to go away. not long to go near my birthday as well yeah <laughs> no it's going to be a ripping season really looking forward to it so it might be time to get your optus uh, Signed up this year if you didn't get it done last year because uh, it uh, it's going to be a ripping season with all these changes. Watching, you know, uh, players like Rooney move to uh, his homeland and uh, homeland home team and uh, Lukaku at uh, Manchester United as we talked about. But uh, I'm I'm still interested, you know, from the and so hopefully some Australians going around. Well, the cha- the championship. Aaron Moy, yeah. for example. Yeah, well, stick around because we're going to have Jackson Irvine on next week and um, we might ask him a question about Brighton and Hove Albion when we do. We could do that. Sounds good to me. All right, Dana, well done. Thank you. Stoppage time next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box. The fourth official signal is there four, there's four minutes to go, and we've had the greatest pre-production discussion in that ad break about fantastic. what we're <laughs> going to discuss, because everyone's got a different opinion, and as usual, mine is right. We've had a vote, Rob. We've and decided we're going to... T- it's Mark Van Aken here, by the way. We're going to talk about soccer. Oh, football. really? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Culture. So since it's your segment, you can talk about whatever you no, want. Taking, okay, taking the uh, the new ball, the odd ball, given <laughs> we're in the last seg. Hey, this is very interesting to me. Wollongong Wolves have appointed former Melbourne Victory director and club founder, which I know some people might get a bit upset calling him that. Anyway, uh, Jeff Lord as an advisor for their A-League bid. Lord, who played a crucial role in establishing the Melbourne Victory when the A-League was first formed, will be responsible for overseeing the implementation of a business model and football operation. The Wollongong Wolves are in a similar, are similar in many respects to Victory, I'm not sure how, and have strong, successful history, presence, fan base and and following and cover one of the strongest football nurseries in the country. That I can agree with you on, Jeff Lord. Michael Edgley. Jeff Lord, not a great football man. He, of course, was a uh, critical part of the puzzle that, that formed the Melbourne victory. Well, I mean, people but would remember him as a former, former Hawthorne football club president, president in the old VFL. Was they, okay, yeah. We're winning like, flags. Like Jeff, you, yeah. ought, you ought to be the president. Yes, yes anyway. Yes. But, um, no, look, like no, he, he was a driving force behind the early uh, days of Melbourne Victory. Good play to him. hope they got a, enough... Uh, Wollongong doesn't strike me as a wine region. Next of, thing we'll be hearing, they'll be getting Tony Ising involved. In no, no, Wollongong doesn't strike me as a, as a renowned wine region of Australia. I oh, so, hope there's plenty yeah, of wine up there for him. What are we saying? Likes a glass. He likes a glass of wine. That's what I'm saying. Anywho, I mean, in all seriousness, what's the play here for Jeff? Because we know Melbourne Victory, and you know the story, and it's probably in a book. Tony Ising might write that book one day, but as you know, Michael, um, it was uh, Tony Rados, Alex, what was his? Yeah, Alex Rados. Alex, was it Alex Rados? Yeah, Tony Ising. Tony Ising, and one other figure whose name completely escapes me, and they had the business plan, basically. No, they they had the brand. 
They didn't they had have the brand, they had the business plan. Well, the business plan. What they, they, the what they didn't have was any equity. And mm. famously, John O'Neill and co. flew down to Melbourne, met them at the which was the old Hilton, which is now, I'm not sure what it's called, the Pullman, Pullman out at the uh, airport. Didn't even do, give them the courtesy of hopping in a cab and driving into town and met them at the airport Hilton and mm. said, uh, guys, you've got a shit sandwich on your hands here. You don't have any money. You've got a business plan. Mm. And uh, got back on the plane, said, find some money. And then they put them in touch with Jeff Lord, which, of course, then made Melbourne Victory, which, of course, has ended up being mm. so, one of the most they deserve, successful. With, they I deserve uh, cre- credit for uh, for the work that they did. Alan Ruffs. Alan? Mm. Yes, that's yes. right. Yeah. Hey, um, Hang on, Dino's sitting there. He's got something to say. No, no. I'm, I, I think look, it's, it's an interesting space because, obviously, with all the expansion talks. Uh, of, well, uh, of are you ready for your conference, Dino? Um, well, we'll be meeting in the short term. And uh, this is the Australian Association of Football Clubs. Yeah, look, it's or the Association of Australian Football the Clubs. The Australian Association the of Australian Football Clubs. Is no, the Australian Association of Australian Association Association of Australian Football Clubs. AAFC. Just, yeah. just to be sure. Yeah, look, there's, there's, it sounds like a Monty Python sketch. It's it very does. Much so. um, but I'm look, trying it's, to do that. I think like whether it's Wollongong, you know, the South Melbourne bids, all the bids that are already currently in, it's it's healthy that people want to get to this expansion. Your um, challenge, Dino, as we talked about off air, is to, is to find a, a commercial model that's going to work for the second division clubs because the PFA have put a stake in the sand by saying it's got to be around about $5 million of turnover. And, Too much. And uh, Rabbi Crame, your chairman last week on our show, said yep. that he thought that was uh, way too much and it could be done for a lot less. We'd be looking forward to seeing what number comes out of your conference. Well, I'll, well, I'll have a little look and uh, work through. <laughs> a bit of a look-see. And uh, see what look-see and we'll see where we uh, where we end up. Can I say something quickly because I know you, you're keen to wrap the show up, Rob. I love the work of the PFA and I love the guys down there, but I just hope that they don't try and raise the bar too high and make it completely Well, they are unworkable. talking about what the players are going to get paid and I think that's a big issue. Correct. I think the players need to get paid less. Yes. Just watch Cricket. Cricket. Whistle, I Agreed. whistle. That's full there time on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end to the pitch to the other in the world game. We're going to discuss what's happened in the coming week for the uh, under-23s, Ollie Ruse. We might even review Joseph Gombau's performance. That'll be all next week. And Arsenal in Sydney. On Box to Box.